While You Were Folding, Episode 37, All Things NFP with Becca Knobloch. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things, marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for nine. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. This week, I had the chance to chat with my awesome friend, Becca Knobloch. Becca is the founder of Feminine Genius Ministries, and she's also a Marquette instructor for the Marquette Method of NFP. And so I thought it'd be fun to have her on to share some of her wisdom, talk about what's happening in the world of natural family planning or NFP. And for those who aren't familiar with the term NFP or natural family planning, basically it's just a way for couples to use a woman's natural biomarkers, her biology, things like her basal body temperature, her cervical mucus, or her hormone levels to determine whether or not she's fertile. Um, So since that gives you an idea of what the topic of the show is about, it may or may not be a good idea for you to listen to this one without little ears in the room, depending on where your kiddos are in terms of this conversation. But um, there are all different kinds of methods of NFP. Becca teaches one of them as a Marquette instructor. The method is called the Marquette method. And that also happens to be the method that Philip and I use to help us figure out when we're trying to space our kiddos or when we're trying to achieve a pregnancy where we are with our fertility. But regardless of where you are in terms of your fertility, whether you're single or engaged, married, trying to avoid or achieve a pregnancy, if you're struggling with infertility or secondary infertility, or if you've suffered miscarriages or infant loss, or if you're entering into menopause and things are all over the place, I think you're going to gain some really solid wisdom from the conversation that I had with Becca. And we had a great chat, and I am guessing that this is probably going to be a regular feature on the podcast because... I'm guessing a lot of you will have some more follow-up questions and that I'm going to get a lot of feedback on this episode. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into our conversation on the podcast, and I look forward to hearing what you think. Becca, hello. Thank you so much for coming on While You Were Folding. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to introduce you. I know our local friends know who you are, as well as anyone who wants to find out anything about Marquette and your awesome new ministry. But before we jump in, I'd love it if I could start us with a prayer, and then I'll have you introduce yourself, if that sounds okay. Absolutely. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father... Becca and I come together tonight to talk about the gift that is the feminine genius. Thank you so much for the gift of our physical bodies, for the gift of our fertility, 
for the gift of friendship and gathering together as women. And we ask you to bless our conversation tonight. We ask you to be with us and give us wisdom and open us to whatever it is you'd like us to share with the listeners. And for those of us who might be struggling with infertility or miscarriage or infant death, or even the cross of uber fertility and trying to navigate those waters, just help all of us to, to be open to meeting you wherever we are and to invite you, to invite you into that because you are our creator and you love us and you want the gift of sexuality to be the gift that it's meant to be. So please allow this conversation tonight to be a blessing to all of the listeners. And we ask that it be a source of encouragement and a source of blessing for everyone. We ask all these things through the intercession of the Blessed Mother. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so Becca, I would love it if you could just quickly introduce yourself to the listeners, tell everyone a little bit about your background, your family, and your latest endeavors with natural family planning. Okay. Well, I am Becca Knobloch. I am originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, Fun fact, I actually graduated one year behind Catherine's husband, Philip, from Pius, um, the 10th high school. I went to UNL, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and the Med Center on the Lincoln campus for nursing school. And while I was in my junior year, I met this very funny, sweet Air Force pilot. And about two years to the day that we met, we got married. And I now have three clones of my husband. Um, (laughs) We have three little boys. Caleb is six, Levi is four, and Jude is almost two. And they do. They all just look like miniature versions of Roger. Yes, they do. (laughs) And we, um, because Roger was in the Air Force, we lived in Little Rock, Arkansas, Austin, Texas. And then we moved back here to Lincoln, Nebraska. He's originally from Colorado Springs. So this is at least closer to his family than Austin was. When we lived in Arkansas and Texas, I worked as a pediatric nurse. Um, I worked at Arkansas Children's Hospital. I worked at a school on the military base we were at. And then when we moved to Texas, I did pediatric home health and hospice. So my whole background was peds, um, which is kind of crazy that I'm here now. But that was kind of, that was my life pre-jumping into this NFP journey. So then how did you pivot toward NFP? What made you gravitate toward that in the first place? Um, The Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, but for real, it was. I. It's really ironic because I was actually using birth control when we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger was not Catholic at the time. We did go through marriage prep. We were married in the church. But I really just had minimal intention of ever really using NFP. But then Roger went on a deployment in our first. We'd only been married about seven months when he mm-hmm. deployed. And so I went off of birth control while he was gone. And when he was coming back, I was going to go back on it. And I realized how much the pill was aggravating my anxiety. I naturally kind of have anxiety and it was giving me panic attacks that I had never drawn the line that that was what was aggravating it. So I immediately stopped. 
And then I was like, well, now what are we going to do? And yeah. so I pulled out all my old NFP stuff that I'd brought with me from, you know, I kept it in a little box for marriage prep and did a refresher course with, I reached out to an instructor was able to kind of get up to speed on it, but it just, it wasn't the right fit for us. We never really got the hang of it. Um, and so fast forward, we are then pregnant with Jude, who's our third baby. And I was finally like, okay, we really have to find something that will work well for us. And uh, you and some other friends of mine kind of mentioned here or there about this Marquette method. And so I started to look into it and realized there were no Nebraska instructors and that you have to be a licensed healthcare professional with a minimum of a Bachelor of Science to be an instructor in the Marquette method which is out of Marquette University in Wisconsin. It's through their Institute of Natural Family Planning. And because it's through their College of Nursing, they have those requirements of like a Bachelor of Science and being a licensed healthcare professional. So I was like, well, I could maybe become an instructor. <laughs> and so I did. And here I am. Um, it's let me use my nursing background again, which I was starting to get the itch when we had moved back from, from Texas to Nebraska I was staying at home with the boys for a few years and that was great. I just started wanting to use my nursing a little bit more mm -hmm. and this was perfect. And so it really truly has been this act of the Holy Spirit um, because in 16 months I've taught 210 couples and counting. Like wow. I just can't even believe it. And so, and that I went from, you know, I loved my little zero to five year olds that I had on the infant and toddler unit at Arkansas Children's Hospital when I worked there. And, you know, I was just I loved the pediatric nurse life and I still do love kids. This just totally kind of fell into my lap. And I said yes to these little steps. And then here we are. There's actually another instructor, another nurse who signed on um, recently to teach with me in this method. And we have three other women who are currently th throughout Nebraska, who are in the formation um, with Marquette University to become instructors. So it's blossomed awesome. from there, which is really great. Wow. God is providing big time. Absolutely. Wow. So 210 couples and you've got three young boys and you have not only been teaching these couples, but you have a really awesome online presence with your ministry, the feminine genius. Do you call it feminine genius ministries or how am I supposed to refer to it? I've just been calling it feminine genius. Yeah, it depends either way. Um, it's kind of a long name. I should have thought of that or like figured out a way to abbreviate it. No, so it I love easier it. Easier in conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, I either say feminine genius or feminine genius ministries. Well, tell either the way listeners all about it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tell them where the name comes from, first of all. So the name comes from um, Pope St. John Paul II, who talked about the feminine genius, which is this idea that there is something inherent in every woman. There's these four characteristics, which are receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. And that what's so important about this is, and there, it's unique to women, um, and it helps bring forth life in the world. It helps he, what he, the term he uses is rehumanize the world to aid humanity and not falling is a statement he says in, uh, or he said in the encyclical mulieris dignitatum, which is on the dignity of women and 
just this gift that women can bring to the world where men, my husband's an engineer, so he's extremely efficient and he can see in a problem, you know, the most efficient way to do something, the most efficient way to use the employees, you know, on his team, all of that. But sometimes what he needs and what we need in those areas of life is for a woman to come in and be like, okay, yes, this is efficient and this is a great way to do this, but these are people, (laughs) they Mm -hmm. are humans. So we need to remember that and make sure that we can have both. You know, it is good to be efficient with our resources and not be wasteful, but we need to remember, especially when we're, you know, in an environment with other human beings, that they're humans. They're not robots. They're not just commodities. They are people made in the image and likeness of God. And that's part of what the feminine genius does is it just, we see that we have the ability to grow a human within us, you know, so Mm -hmm. we can inherently, even if we never use the biological piece of it, we can see and call forth that life in the people around us. And so that that was where I started with it because we just have this crisis right now, I think in society where we do not understand what it means to be a woman. We don't understand what our own bodies are doing. We are putting girls often on the pill when they're 15. They're never really taught what their cycle means, which is, it's a tragedy. And it's not only the church who sees this, um, the American college of obstetrics and gynecology and the American Academy of pediatrics have both said that the menstrual cycle should be considered like a vital sign in women. So similar to their temperature, their blood pressure, it gives us such a picture of a woman's health. And St. Thomas Aquinas said, love follows knowledge. Hmm. So I think. I really, the reason I picked feminine genius was I think we have this power to really change the world, but it starts with women knowing who they are. And at our very core, it means how does our body work? And then within that, we can, you know, get into our spiritual life and our emotional life and it can all be a piece of that, but it's very basic. It's how does my own body work on a day-to-day basis? Right. And to not be afraid of it, to embrace it as a good and beautiful thing and not to use a pill to break what's not broken, that it's not good medicine to take a pill that's going to disrupt what's a healthy human function, part of your feminine genius, part of your female biology, that that's what your body is designed to do. And when we disrupt it, things like what you were experiencing, what you were talking about when you were on the pill, you had extreme anxiety as a Mm -hmm. result of it, not to mention everything else that was happening hormonally. But I love that. So with um, feminine genius and your very active social media presence, what would you say your goal is on the social media and blog end of things? What are you hoping to accomplish aside from instructing couples and marriage preparation? What would you say your goal is? I think some of it is to just put a different voice out there mm-hmm. about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a healthy woman because society is kind of telling us some, not kind of society is very much telling us something totally different that we need. We depend on the pill for health, for regulation, for all of that. And so to just explain 
why we that's not the case and what benefit not just why we don't want that but what benefit comes from understanding our cycles and to bring awareness to any you know any place that I can that is in need of that that feminine touch that feminine genius to gain some traction and interest because in many cases, people, we just don't even think any differently than what we've been told. You know, if everybody, someone knows, is just taking the pill, you don't really think there's another way. So to... Most doctors don't even realize there's another way with any exactly. sort of problem. That is the magical band-aid solution for any sort of female problem that walks into a gynecologist's office. Yep. Right. So to just be a voice that says something a little bit different and Mm -hmm. does it through a way that wants to empower women, not just don't do this, don't do this, but here's this other, here's this other option and here's all the things that this can open up and all the different things to kind of think about with it. And yes, your physical health, but also, you know, we're faithful, spiritual women, like your spiritual health things as they come up. So just kind of, it's kind of a potpourri, if you will, of different things that catch my attention when it comes to femininity, the feminine genius, anything related to that. But that ties in perfectly to the feminine genius, because we don't compartmentalize, at least I don't compartmentalize the way my husband can. I'm not able, I am I am able to approach life in general with a much more holistic view, whereas he is able to zero in. And it is such a great thing because the complementarity there in our marriage and in parenting works so well. But what you're speaking to with the holistic approach of you're talking about biology, spirituality, you're talking about, you've spoken on the blog and on social media about anxiety and mental health and postpartum depression and all of those things. It all ties in. We can't just pretend like this is just a purely biological thing. We can't separate it from everything else. And I love that that's the approach that you're taking, that you're tying all of it together the way it really is mirrored in day-to-day life. I would love to hear your thoughts on Catholic marriage preparation. And I know that it is so different across the country, depending on what diocese or archdiocese the couple lives in, and what kind of requirements are put upon couples that are preparing for marriage. But since you now, how long have you officially been an instructor for Marquette? Just over a year, like 15, maybe 16 months. Okay. So I imagine you probably feel like you're just starting to get perspective on some patterns and the things that come up over and over again. But if you had the power to magically transform Catholic marriage prep nationwide, snap your fingers, (laughs) and it could be what your magical dream model would be, what would it look like? That's an awesome mind trip to go down. Um, (laughs) And it's not, I want to preface it by saying this. I don't want to zero in on the method because the method wars 
and you and I have talked about this before. It doesn't get us anywhere. Obviously, Philip and I use the Marquette method of NFP. You're a Marquette instructor. But let's pretend all methods being equal, what would Becca's ideal, magical version of Catholic marriage prep look like with the area of fertility? I think in general, I mean, this is fertility and just all of marriage prep is just that it would be more honest and authentic. And I mean, yes, that it would have like a cool factor to it, which I guess if I'm using the word cool, I'm automatically making myself irrelevant, but um, I'm not sure what the hip lingo is right now, but hey, I'm being authentic. So I'm hitting. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. (laughs) Um, No, it's just that you would have, you know, an authentic, passionate married couple. Mm-hmm. or NFP instructor, someone who really is relatable is going to, they're passionate. They believe in it, but they also will share the difficulties. They're real. I will tell people that for many years, we as NFP instructors did a disservice because we tried to sell NFP. We mm-hmm. didn't teach NFP and we need to teach it. You know, we need to be honest about what goes into it and that it's worth it. But what goes into it, I would want to see dynamic clergy who are also passionate about the whole marriage process, who are passionate about NFP. Um, it's not fertility related, but I was speaking at a marriage prep day in a different diocese and I was speaking about NFP, but the, a priest, a young priest was speaking after me and they said he was talking about prayer, which of course is important. But what I thought was awesome is he was leading the couples in Lexio Divina. Can you and explain what that to... is for the listeners yeah. who might not know what it is? It's essentially an intense kind of prayer study on a short scripture. You just, you have a scripture and, um, you read it, you kind of think about, listen to what pops out to you in that passage. Then if like your spouse read it the first time, maybe you read it the second time out loud and, you know, they can be reading it on paper and then you see what kind of pops out to you then and you talk about it. You just go through that passage of scripture together and the priest leads the couples in it, which is really awesome for interfaith couple. Like, you know, especially if you have a just a non-Catholic and a Catholic, a Christian, but not Catholic and a Catholic, Mm -hmm. then we both have the scriptures. So it's a way that the couple can learn to pray together that way. And I just thought that was so cool. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, that's really neat that he's leading through that. And he was very passionate about it. And I just saw that. And I was like, that's contagious. Regardless of the content, the person being passionate, being real is necessary. The couples being there, the young, the engaged couples, they have to bring interest and excitement and energy as well, which, you know, these are all factors that are tough because some of that starts way before they're ever engaged for them to be at a place to be excited about that and, Mm -hmm. you know, really wanting to invest in that. So I would just love to see couples who are preparing for marriage, who want to learn, who are thirsty for the knowledge from these married couples who are authentic and real and wanting to give it and, you know, dynamic clergy who also are serious about the sacrament and excited 
for the couples and optimistic. And of course I would want there to be good food and good drinks because I like to host yes. and I love dinner parties and I would want it to be good, you know, drinks. I would love to see like the different, not NFP wars, but like the different NFP groups within one diocese, like mm-hmm. maybe the Marquette method sponsors a coffee bar one morning and the symptothermal method like has a wine and cheese night for everyone. And like, I yeah. don't know, yeah. just little things that it would be really fun to bring that piece of it too. But so much of it's not, I mean, of course I want there to be good education about the different NFP methods. So couples know what's out there, but more than that, it's strong relationships, which require vulnerability about what marriage takes, what NFP takes, because it can be hard. I'd love to hear you say more about selling NFP versus just talking about it. What did you mean by that? I think I know what you mean, but I want to hear you expand on that. I mean, like when when I went through marriage prep and I felt like every brochure was a couple holding hands, dancing through a field with butterflies around them. Always. And they were like pastel colored. And And such um, poor graphics. Come on. Yes. Yes. 1988. Um, Yes. And they would highlight, which the statistic I'm sure is accurate, but that, you know, oh, couples who practice NFP have a... 1% 1% divorce rate or something like that, like very, very low. And they just kind of make it sound like NFP will be this magic pixie dust. You just put on your marriage and boom, it's great. And it's holy. And it's, but your marriage is only holy as holy as the two people who are, sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> your marriage is only as holy as the two people getting married are holy. So you need two holy people to have a holy marriage. Magic pixie NFP dust doesn't right totally fix that. And I try to tell couples that NFP is a doorway. So you Mm. have an opportunity there. NFP places this doorway in your marriage Mm -hmm. and you can walk through the door and there's really good things that can come from it, but it's your choice. You have to put forth the communication, the effort, the self-sacrifice. You can practice NFP selfishly and resentfully and you're, you can abstain those days, but do so with a really grouchy attitude and a resentment building And it's not going to bring fruit to the marriage with that. So it's not just, you know, checking the boxes and actually abstaining those days. It's, there's more, so much more to it than that for it to be life giving in a marriage. And Mm -hmm. the analogy I often give is like running, which I make it very clear to everyone I'm speaking to that I do not run. I will run if I'm being chased. I know. I think you're doing a couch to 5K right now, which I love. Nope. I run if I'm being chased. And even then, if I've been to confession recently, I might just be like, all right, Jesus, I'll see you at dinner. So I hate running. Yeah, yeah. But I have many, many friends who run, who do marathons, other races. And I've picked up on a few things from watching them. And that's that they really believe in what they do. They love the race day. They know what's coming but they know it's hard. And if someone's new to running, but they want to do a half marathon, they would probably tell them an experienced runner would say, you need a plan, a couch to 5k kind of plan to start with. You need probably an accountability partner for the rainy days when you don't want to run, or it's like 95 by 6am and you don't want to run. You need someone to tell you that you it's worth it. Keep going. You may need to put some financial money. You you may need to pay for the race ahead of time so that you have a financial stake in the game. So you keep going and they admit, okay, here's where it gets hard and here's what you do, but it's worth it. And I, we just didn't 
always do a good job as NFP instructors, as married couples who are practicing NFP when talking to the younger couples. We just haven't had those kind of conversations as often as we should, Mm -hmm. where we say it can get really hard. The breastfeeding time can kind of be a nightmare. Here's how to make it a little better. Um, but it could be tough, but you'll get through it and it will be better on the other side. And so to just have that authenticity and not be afraid of if we don't, if we don't make it sugarcoat it and make it sound great, then no one's going to do it. Right. I don't see that being the case. Yeah. It seems like it was, I don't know if this is right or not, but almost like it was a fear-based decision that if we don't sell it this way, how are we ever going to get couples to sign on to doing this in their marriages? But instead, I think you and I would wholeheartedly agree that we going through Catholic marriage preparation would have so appreciated the vulnerable, honest couple saying, you know what, these are times, areas that we've struggled in, and we were able to get through it. And here's what we did to find the support that we needed so that Philip and I could have anticipated those times being a struggle. You spoke about the breastfeeding postpartum time. And there are times when there might be travel involved for couples or other things like that disease, illness. And you don't realize when you're young and in love. And I what was it one of your posts? Or I think it was Jenny Eubing online. Some of the listeners might know her more as Mama Loves. Is it Mama Needs Coffee? Um, I think so. She created this awesome online community yes. called Off the Charts for couples that are navigating NFP. But it was definitely it was one of her posts. Now I'm remembering where she talks about if you're like me, you went through your marriage prep and all you were doing the whole time you were there was creating your seating chart for your wedding reception and you weren't paying attention because the people seemed so out of touch and you weren't absorbing any of it. But if it was like you're talking about a younger couple that's relatively close in age to most of the young engaged couples that are going through marriage prep, talking about we were just there, here's what we've already addressed in our marriage, and then maybe an older couple that has been through decades of marriage and can speak through the different chapters that they went through and the honesty about it. Because I think also another thing that you're speaking to is people don't even know about their cycle, the woman's fertility and how a menstrual cycle works and what things look like with mucus and so on and so forth. And then when they learn about it in the context of marriage prep, for us, it was presented as the textbook version. And this is what it's like every month. And then you have the honeymoon period every month. And it's great. The end. Instead of when you're postpartum, things are going to be different. And your cycles will look a little wonky. And when you have these different hormonal irregularities, you're going to have to navigate things more closely. But you don't get that in marriage prep. At least we didn't. And that was a definite disservice to us. Absolutely. Well, and then you're left thinking, am I doing something wrong? I was told NFP would be like this, and I'm not. Um, My spiritual director actually says that suffering is when our expectations do not meet. No, let me say that again. My (laughs) spiritual director says that um, suffering is when our reality does not meet our expectations. So if we set couples up with these expectations that are not based in reality, 
we are setting them up to suffer through this. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair because then they're thinking, okay, well, they told me it would be like this. I'm supposed to have a honeymoon phase. We're supposed to have cycles like this. I don't know what's going on. Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? I'm bad at this. And it's, that's not fair to them. You know, we don't tell them there can be a steep learning curve sometimes and it's okay. Find the right people and you can get through it. Yeah. I'd love to hear you talk about as an instructor, when couples come to you, whether they're engaged, newly married, they've been married 20 years and have five kids, whatever the scenario might be, what kind of support can a couple expect to receive from an instructor like you specifically that maybe they don't even realize is available? What kinds of services, what does a typical, I know there's no such thing as a typical relationship (laughs) between instructor and couples, but what I'm getting at is just to paint a picture for people out there who are struggling, but have no idea that this is even a thing, the kinds of things that you're able to provide for your couples. Absolutely. I am very excited. You mentioned Jenny Eubanks um, off the charts, and I'm very excited for that because I think that will be a place for a lot of support. And I very much, as it gets up and going, intend to refer people that way as well. Um, it does. It's very instructor specific and instructor dependent because we've all had our own experiences. I have been through very difficult times with NFP, and. I'm quick to affirm in someone, you know, that is very hard and you're not crazy. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of my follow-ups with my clients are done via email. Much of Marquette is technology based and it's Mm -hmm. email, but sometimes all they need is to hear you're doing this right. It's okay. Like you're not doing anything wrong. This first postpartum cycle is a beast. Hang in there. This is what I've seen. And you know, this is, and then there's other times I've had women who reach out to me and ask about, um, like the prolonged period of abstinence. If in that first postpartum cycle, if it's just dragging on and we don't really know when a woman's going to ovulate. So they just end up abstaining for two, three plus weeks. And sometimes I'll get questions about, do you have any resources or thoughts on, you know, how to cope with this? Like, for my husband or for me, you know, different things like that. I don't always have a resource. Sometimes I have to say, I don't know. I'll look into it, Mm -hmm. but I try to get them what they need, whether I can provide it or, you know, send them to a different resource, try to find a different physician. If the one they're seeing is not supportive of NFP, um, you know, try to reach out to the instructors. I know, see if they can help find someone in their area So, like I said, it's very instructor dependent how much time the instructor has to kind of invest. Some of them stick pretty much to the charts, Yeah, helping a woman navigate her charts. And that's what that instructor can do. And that's okay. That's what some people's, you know, role has to be for their own personal life and balance. This is more of a passion for me to help couples kind of thrive in this. So I want to be able to help with all those other aspects of it as much as I can. And I, like I said, I'm very thankful for these other resources popping up like off the charts that can help with some of those just supportive aspects of needing people to tell you, okay, I went through that too. 
it's okay. And sometimes that's all we need to hear. It's just, okay, I'm not the only one. Because that's the biggest lie Satan tries to do is corner us and say, you're the only one. Why can't you figure this out? And to have someone be like, no, that's a lie. You're not the only one is really refreshing. And sometimes all we need. Absolutely. I think also something that you just spoke to, this is obviously a huge passion of yours and you're willing to dig deep and go places, whatever conversations your couples are needing to have with you. But some instructors, like you said, are only wanting to look at the chart, tell you what might be going on with your cycle and go from there. But I think that this really speaks to the need that couples have for counseling when things get really hard. And the gift that our awesome Catholic counselors can be for us. And Um, because the gift of sexuality is a gift, but when things are tough and you don't have the kind of support like a Becca Knobloch who is able to talk through things with you via Skype or even locally, I mean, I couldn't get any luckier having you in my backyard, basically. (laughs) Um, but I think counseling is something that couples should consider when they don't have the kind of support that you're able to offer your clients, because you have to be able to talk through these things and figure out, okay, this for whatever reason is a cross for us right now. And we need to figure out how to keep the gift of our sexuality a gift instead of something that's going to drive us apart as a couple. For sure. And I think, you know, that's another place, both counselors and like with our clergy and our priests, because they hear, they'll often hear these things in spiritual direction or in confession, but getting both counselors and the clergy to where they understand what goes into MFP so they can be empathetic and supportive and helpful. Let's talk about that. I think that is such an important topic because our priests and the ones that I've spoken to feel as though they're supposed to be preaching from the pulpit about the gift of sexuality and not using contraceptives and all of those things. Unfortunately, in their formation in seminary and becoming a priest, they learned a lot of awesome theology, a lot of great scriptural uh, knowledge and how to pray with people and be pastoral in different situations. But when it comes to what marriage lived out day to day, the nitty nitty gritty, and specifically the area of fertility, I think we've dropped the ball and our priests are left shrugging their shoulders saying, I'm sorry, I'm a celibate man. (laughs) And (laughs) I, I don't know what is happening here? Tell me more and I can try to help you. But it creates a really strange dynamic for them. And yet we expect them to help us through these moments and they do their best. But what are your thoughts on that? Have you heard of any different dioceses across the country or even the world that are forming their priests in what married life in the area of fertility and sexuality looks like? Unfortunately, I have not heard of other dioceses. Now, I've not really looked into it very much, but I've heard of a need for it, but I've not heard of other dioceses 
doing that, which is why actually in my, it's like you read my strategic vision plan. I wrote Ooh. because okay, good. You know, stay tuned. I might be talking to rooms full of celibate men about. Please. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and, no, I would, I would like to see, um, NFP instructors, married couples, you know, in the seminary, mm-hmm. like Amen. speaking to the information or at the clergy study days, we have them. It would not be hard to bring somebody in for an hour just to give a testimony of what it's really like. Talk about what those struggles are, what has helped to give the priests some resources for what to give people, um, as far as what has helped in just in many ways, it's also to call forth holiness from the priests because yeah. we have an entire vocation within the Catholic church of men living integrated celibacy. And when they do that and they experience that grace and that peace in that area of their life, they are a powerful presence and a force to be reckoned with when it comes Amen. to that. And I remember, you know, I was about to have Jude um, and we had one of our priest friends over and we were talking about that six weeks postpartum time where there's no sex. And this is after, you know, pregnancy when there's really no fertile time and just kind of saying, oh, yeah, and that six week wait. And he just looked at us and he goes, uh-huh, please tell me how bad that is. <laughs> and, like, and it was kind of a joke. And he's such a holy man. Right. And but it was such a good reality check for us. No one was going to die in those six weeks. And unfortunately, we are in some crisis and scandal in the church. And that is making it harder, which I think is where that call to holiness for those seminarians and for the good priests we have. Like, get any of your own stuff you need to deal with so that you can have integrated, holy celibacy will benefit the married couples. Because then, you know, I hear a lot of, oh, my poor husband. Oh, in emails yeah. and stuff like that. And as a Catholic, I just want to say that is garbage. <laughs> like, I Amen. Mean, I, get I get that sentiment and why it has permeated through our society, but it's garbage because it feeds this idea that men will die without sex or women will die without sex and that some we're entitled to those things with each other. We just completely lose the idea that this is a gift, that fertility is a gift. And so if we can have these priests, these men that are living out that holy celibacy, it, I think, can just empower the NFP couples to be like, okay, yeah, like we can do this for two or three weeks and, you know, potentially give the clergy, even just amongst each other, give them the empowerment to share more. Like what, what are their struggles? What do they need to do? How do we help them, you know, also, live that better. And mm-hmm. so we just, we need each other. I know people will say that, like we need holy priests. They need to be friends with holy married couples. Like we can benefit from each other that way. And so I would just, again, I keep going back to the authenticity and vulnerability and all of that, but I think that's what it comes down to. And if we could share that with them in their formation and help them with their own holiness when it comes to our celibacy, then that benefits the married couples later as well. Oh, absolutely. And what you're speaking to is exactly the conversation that I just had with Catherine Whitaker. She just wrote this awesome book, and I can't wait to share this episode with the listeners. Um, But she in this book talks about 
vocation affirmation dinners. And she says it kind of tongue in cheek, but they love to have their parish priests over and the priests are saying confession, hearing confessions in the backyard. The kids are running amok. They sit down and have dinner. And at the end of the evening, Catherine and her husband, Scott, feel reaffirmed in their vocation of marriage. And then she tongue in cheek says that the priests walk away knowing, oh, my goodness, <laughs> after being right. in this crazy household <laughs> with six kids, this is the vocation I was I was made for. But what you're saying about us needing to be in good, holy, intimate, great friendships with these priests, it builds them up in their vocation because they see marriage as the good that it's supposed to be. And they see the fruits of all of it. And if we don't remember that our priests foregoing the gift of sexual married love is a beautiful and awesome sacrifice, we're denying that their celibacy means something. We're, we need to acknowledge the sacrifice of giving up something that is the great, awesome, beautiful gift that it is. Otherwise, why are we asking that of our priests? And we, the married couples, have to live it out well to show the gift that it is. And when we, uh, I'm trying to think of the quote from Pope Francis, when he talks about being basically the um, gloomy Christians, it was in, oh, the joy of the gospel. I can't think of it. But anyway, If we walk around acting like marriage is just one long (laughs) walk to Calvary, then what message are we sending to our priests? We have to... Right. It has to be both. It has to be... We value your sacrifice of not having the married sexual love in your life as a celibate priest. And we want you to see the gift that it can be in our marriage as well, that we both bless one another. Absolutely. Um, Well, I just looked at my list of questions, and there are so many other things that I would love for us to talk about, but I really want to honor your time. So I would love to know where you would like listeners to find you online. Where can they find feminine your uh, feminine genius ministry? Well, currently, you can literally type in feminineingeniousministries.com, and it'll take you to the website. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page that is Feminine Genius. It might be Feminine Genius Ministries. Now I have to look. <laughs> I can't remember if Facebook let me change it once I added ministries onto the end of it. And then Instagram is all one word, Feminine Genius Ministries as well. So I'm on all awesome. both of the social media and then the website as well. Well, I will include links to all of those pages in the show notes. And I think it would be awesome if on a future episode, we could talk about the gift of sexuality with our kids and how we walk with them from birth onward, because this is a lifelong conversation. And this is a definite passion of both yours and mine. And I think it would be cool to unspool on that because I've had a lot of friends now that our kids are getting older, wanting to talk about how to navigate that. So if you're willing to come back on, I think that would be fantastic. I would love that. We can do that probably closer to when we do this mother daughter day in the diocese where we talk about how to, you know, have those conversations with your daughter. So it would be Yes. Perfect time. And when is the next diocesan mother daughter day? And I can include a link to I know there's a page on the diocese page so that people can find out more. But do you know approximately when the next one will be? I think it is around October 27th. I'm pretty 
sure it's close to my child's birthday, which is okay. why I'm saying that day. I was going to say um, that's so really specific. Not, <laughs> I know. It's October, and I want to say it is close to one of my kids' birthdays. So it's around there. Um, but yes, we can put the exact link for the date. Because uh, it's usually one in the fall, one in the spring, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Well, I would love to have you come back on. I feel like we still only scratched the surface, but Becca, thank you so much for giving of your time tonight. And not just that, but for the gift that you and your ministry has been to, what did you say? Over 210 couples? So far. Wow. Yeah. And, and not just that, but the people that you've reached online through social media and everything else. It's obviously meeting a need that was there. And I just admire you so much for doing it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Well, you have a good evening and I will talk to you maybe even tonight over text. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. Bye, friend. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Isn't Becca the best? I am so excited to have her back on the podcast. I, like I said in the intro, I am sure I'm going to get all kinds of feedback and questions from all of you. So I would love to hear your questions. I want to know what kinds of things are going on in your area, what kinds of support or lack of support you have in terms of NFP and fertility or infertility and all of the different topics that Becca and I talked about. I'd love to hear your feedback. Please email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. Or as always, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, but I'm going to leave it there for this week. I'm not going to give my regular update or that kind of thing because I think the episode is long enough, but I'll plan on catching up next week. So until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding. <laughs>